All right, so everybody, so now, now I'm ready. Sorry, it took me a second. All right, Steve has been going through the book of Jeremiah. You know, we know that we've been going chapter by chapter. And uh, especially in the last few chapters, this, uh, this future restoration of Israel keeps coming up. And it's kind of disguised in key words, you know, and Steve's been bringing out some things. So Steve had to work this morning. So he told me, uh, actually he told me a few weeks ago to get ready. He wants me to teach, a, a, you know, like an overview on what this restoration of Israel, this millennium, is all about. And uh, so that's what we're going to do today. So um, I was telling Zach, I think, before class, that I, I taught this a year or so ago, these concepts, in D2, and I totally lost everybody. And I, I, feel, I still feel bad about that. So this week I'm thinking I'm, I, I'm really going to simplify it. I'm going to maybe oversimplify some things just in the, uh, for the sake of being clear and easy describe what this is. However, in order to talk about the millennium, we've got, and, and to really properly understand what this millennium is, we have got to have a handle on some really big picture things about our Bible and about what God's doing. And namely, that's dispensations and covenants and the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God teachings. Because they all kind of intertwine with the millennium. These are these are big, deep topics. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about when someone's first saved, they're like a child, and we feed them milk of the word, which you know, you know, you feed them easy things to kind of get a hold of. And that's really what our D1 lessons are, the discipleship one class. That's kind of the milk of the word. Um, the stuff we're going to talk about today is the steak. It's like you know we're going to Texas Roadhouse today. We're going to get a steak, and this is some pretty heavy, weighty stuff, deep stuff of the Bible. But I'm going to really try to cut it up, cut the steak up in little pieces, so we can all gnaw on it and, and understand it, at least be familiar with it. So as you hear Brian mention it, and he does, you'll kind of see okay what's going on. Uh, for those of us that have been around a while, this will probably be a review, which is, it's always good to review stuff. It, maybe some people haven't heard this before. So I'm going to do my best to, to dive into this topic of the millennium. So, first, everybody has a handout. Uh, yeah, just leave it there for now. Huh? If you can get more in the center. All right, so I'm going to get my hand out. So right, let's, let's just take a look at our handout. So, um, you know, as believers, as Christians, we all wonder, you know, what the afterlife is like. What's going to happen to me, really, when I die? What am I going to do in heaven? You know, I mean, the, the media and the movies would have us, you know, floating around playing harps. And that's not at all what we're going to be doing. Uh, if, if you're a believer in Christ, you will be in the millennium. And we'll talk about this morning what you'll be doing. Um, so anyway, the millennium. It's the, it's the thousand year reign of Christ. And point one, just to define it, and you've probably heard this before, it's from the Latin words milliannum. Steve brought this up a few weeks ago. It's, it's a thousand year span. Now what it is, point number two, it's a future event when the Lord Jesus Christ will reign on this earth on a throne, physically reign, setting in Jerusalem on a throne. He came the first time as a child and they, you know, we crucified him. He's coming the next time as a king and he's going to sit on the throne in Jerusalem. Revelation chapter 20 is one of the... Uh, kind of a good chapter that outlines what's going to happen at a high level. But there are many, 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 many chapters in our Bible, in our Old Testament particularly, that, that give us the detail about the millennium. Um, number four, one of the purposes of the millennium is to fulfill this, this mysterious kingdom of heaven that we hear about. Uh, it's promises, and we're going to get into all this. We're going to go deep into all this, so it's just kind of a hit in the, in the top here. Point number five. This is where it kind of starts getting interesting. 
There's many key words that God uses in our Bibles to clue us in that I'm not really just talking about Nebuchadnezzar or anything like like Jeremiah as an example. As we're reading through the book of Jeremiah, there are a lot of key words and phrases that Jeremiah is using that clue us in that this isn't just Nebuchadnezzar we're talking about. We're talking about some future event, the restoration of Israel. You know, Steve's touched on it several times. Um, but, you know, he doesn't have time to go into it deep, so that's what we're going to do this morning. So I kind of listed out a few. I just kind of went through my Bible the other day, and, and these are some of the key words that when we're reading our Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, particularly Psalms through the end, through Malachi. You know, we've got 16 prophets in the Old Testament. You know, we've got the majors, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and all those guys, Jeremiah. And then we've got the 12 minors, you know, the Micahs and the Amos and all those guys, Zechariah and all. Every one of those guys, bar none, every one of those guys talk about the millennium. It's a very real thing to these prophets. And these are some of the key words they use when they launch into a millennial passage. Now, the danger is for us, and we'll get into some more of this, is we as modern day believers, Gentiles in the church age, will read what these guys are saying about the millennium and try to fit it into our life and try to think this is something we need to do and it's not written to us. They're talking about a millennial kingdom that they're bringing in, not us. So that's why it's important to rightly divide the word. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So here's a list of key words. Um, One of the big ones is that first one, Selah. It's capitalized, you notice, and it's always capitalized. You've probably heard that that means it's a musical rest. The millennium is a thousand-year resting period for the earth. It's a rest. So anytime you see the word Selah in the Psalms, it's talking about the millennium, doctrinally. The word rest, singing a new song. The Jews are going to sing a new song in the millennium. Um, anytime you see a, an Old Testament prophet talk about we're going to sing a new song, they're talking about the millennium. Day of the Lord, that's a big one. Day of, the day with the Lord is like a thousand years. We know that from Second Peter. The millennium is a thousand year day of the Lord when he's on the earth. So when you see it talking about the day of the Lord, that's talking about the second coming of the millennium. Rod of iron, that's how he's going to rule when he is on Jerusalem. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, the phrase arise, wake up, awake, awake, O Lord, those all means the second coming and the, and the millennium. Gathering you out, bringing you out. They'll talk. They'll use that kind of speak. Talking about an inheritance. In Ezekiel, anytime the Old Testament guys use these words, this is what they're talking about. A big one is turning the captivity. And uh, there's actually one in Jeremiah that we're going to hit on next week with Steve. So I thought, just real quick, let's turn to our Bibles to Jeremiah. Okay, I will. Yeah, turn to Jeremiah 33. I'm going to give you just kind of a quick example here. Steve will hit on this next week, but we'll do a little precursor. Jeremiah 33, down around, I think it's in verse 10. I should have. Man, I've only got 40 minutes. All right, thir- all right 33. Yeah, th- this is a good example. Chapter 33, we'll pick it up um, down around verse 10. But, you know, Jeremiah is, is writing and preaching to the Jews, a nation of Israel, that are getting ready to go under captivity by Nebuchadnezzar. And we've talked about it, you know, every week we talk about it. But in the chapters, he starts launching into this kind of speak. And this is what he's talking about. So verse 10, it says, Jeremiah says, Thus saith the Lord, again there shall be heard in this place. So he's saying, again there's going to be heard in this place. Then kind of think of a mental parenthesis. 
This place which ye say shall be desolate. It's, it's without man. It's without beasts. It's without no cities. It's there's nothing in the streets of Jerusalem. It's deserted. And there's, there's no animals. There's nothing here. All right. Then he picks up in verse eleven. This place again. There shall be here in this place. Verse eleven. The joy of the voice of joy. The voice of gladness. The voice of the bridegroom. That's kind of a churchy thing. The voice of the bride. There's the church. And the voice of them that shall say, Praise the Lord of hosts, for the for the Lord is good, his, his mercy endureth forever. And of them that shall bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause to return the captivity of the land as it as at the first, saith the Lord. And then he goes on talking about how fruitful Israel is going to be in that time. So that turning the captivity, you know, alarm will go off. All right, he's talking about the future here when Israel is going to be fruitful and, and plentiful. And he, he goes through and talking about the branch coming out of Jerusalem and, and reigning on the throne. Uh, he talks about a covenant in verse 25 that he's going to make with them. So he kind of disguises the millennial and in, in speak like that. Um, so that's the turn captivity. Latter rain is another big flag. I won't go into all that, but there's a former rain and a latter rain. Whenever it starts raining, raining is the type of the blessing. Temple, temple of the Lord. Uh, lots of those in the major minor prophets. So that those are the key words to look for. Alright, so before we go any further, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about what the millennium is and the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. I mean, I think we've all heard of that, right? Does anyone want to give a definition or just a, what they think it might be? Or I don't know. I don't want to intimidate. I got a lot of candy bars today, so I got to think of some questions. Uh, all right, so here's the deal. This is, a, this is a confusing subject, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. There are two kingdoms talked about in our Bible, and I actually have props. You guys know me. I've got to have a prop. We have, two, we have two kingdoms talked about. We have the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Not understanding these two kingdoms will mess you up, especially when you're reading the Gospels. And we'll, we'll talk about why here in a second. Um, and I would dare to say, and I will say, because I, I'm online and I read articles and I read stuff, most Christians have not a clue what these two things are, like outside of this building, or outside of the, our churches, the living faith, and the, the, good, the good Bible-believing churches. They have not a clue. So, so today we're going to talk about it. I haven't got new markers because I didn't want to have any issues with markers. And I wanted multicolor. Alright, so first, the kingdom of God. Let's talk about that. Alright, and... and for the sake of time, your handout has tons of verses. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time this morning, you know, reading and looking up verses because this is a, this is just too much. I'm just going to kind of tell you, you know, what I've learned about it, and then the verses are on your handout, and you, you can go to town, do it yourself too. All right, so there's this. All right. Eternity past, before Genesis 1-1, way back, there is a, God's been around, of course, there's a kingdom of God, and uh, I'll just write it up here, of God. Alright, so who's in that kingdom? It would be, it'd be all the angels, uh, you know, we, the Bible talks about seraphims, seraphims, I think. Cherubs, you know, we've heard, we've read about the cherubs. All kinds of beings that God has in His big old kingdom of God. It's huge. It, it's all the planets. It's all the universe. It's the kingdom of God. It's everywhere. God is there. The Trinity is there. 
Alright, so that existed before Genesis 1 1. Alright. Well, we got, you know, we got the creation story. And, uh, and so now God has a planet. I'm going to call it, this will be the Earth. The blue, the blue marble. I'm going to draw the Earth here. Alright, something like that. And it's as if God said, I've got a kingdom of God. I'm going to make a kingdom, I'm going to call it the kingdom of heaven, and it's going to be on the earth. And what I'm, I'm going to make a kingdom, I'm going to make my kingdom on the earth, we'll call it the kingdom of heaven, and it's going to be ruled by a man of my choosing that I'm going to set up to take care of things on the earth. It's earth. It's kind of a misnomer there. It's heaven, but it's kingdom of heaven on the earth. Um, so that's what he wanted to do. So he starts out. Let me find a good color. Uh, that would do green. Um, okay, let me let me advance that. This kingdom of heaven on earth will be ruled by my son. It's going to be a perfect world. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be good. And uh, we're going to call that... Yeah, that's not a good color. I'll use blue again. We're going to call that the millennium. Uh, see, I don't want to go too low. I wish I had a longer board. Zach, can you see if I write here? Kind of. All right, so we'll go, we'll go with that. Let me drop it a shade. Alright, we're going to call this the Kingdom of Heaven, and we're going to call it the uh, the Millennium. I'm going to call it the 1K, because that's how I call it in my Bible. It's K is a acronym for a thing for Millennium. That's the Millennium. So, I'm going to set up this thing on the Earth. It's going to be awesome. My man's going to rule it. It's going to be good. So, he starts out... Uh... Let me do this. Yeah, let's see. I'm going to go down a little lower. All right, I got to do five of these. All right, one, two, one, two, three, four, five. All right. I was, um, I was going to draw this and give you guys a handout, but. This is where I lost people last time, so. Alright. God wants to have a perfect kingdom on heaven of heaven. In order to get that, he is going to go through a series of workings with people to get this. And those series of workings are called uh, that's where we get into the term dispensations and covenants. Okay. On your back page, well, no, can I just forget that? All right, so let's start out with Adam. That's an easy one. We all understand the story of Adam. So we got, uh, all right, can you guys see me okay or see this here, kind of? In the Garden of Eden, he chooses Adam to be his guy. Adam is my man to bring in this kingdom of heaven. I'm going to start with Adam. And I'm going to give Adam Adam and Eve I'm going to give Adam he is going to have the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God in his possession. Him and Eve are running around naked. They've got these kingdoms that they're, they're stewards of. They're in charge of it. God wants them to bring this in. And their only responsibility they needed to have babies multiply and scatter the earth, fill it up with people. Uh, you can eat at the garden, you can eat, eat anything you want, but just don't eat that tree. Well, we know the story. They messed it up. And when Adam ate, and when they sinned, God said, you'll surely die. And they spiritually died, and they lost the kingdom of God. It's a spiritual thing. 
But he kept living, and Adam was the steward of this kingdom of heaven that he wanted to, to bring in. So now God said, he had, and this is called a covenant. He made a set of promises to Adam and Eve. Multiply, fill the earth, don't eat the tree, and you'll be righteous. And that's, that's kind of how they were saved. They weren't saved like you and me. They didn't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They were saved differently. All of these are different than us. Um, in your hand, I will say this. In your handout, I have a table where I put what I'm saying in the table. But, but just looking at the table, you know, it's, it's kind of confusing. But um, All right, so we know the story. He made a covenant with them. A dispensation is the way grace is dispensed. So to Adam and Eve, in their covenant, in their set of conditions for for salvation, they were given grace by faith in God, just like us, and doing what God said, just like us. Well, God told him to don't eat the tree do everything else, multiply, scatter, don't eat the tree. He blew it. So he gets kicked out of heaven, or he gets kicked out of the garden, and now God had to make kind of a new deal. A new covenant. A new set of promises. It's called the Edemic. So now, Adam, you're kicked out of the garden. The earth is cursed. I still want you to multiply. I I want you to uh, fill the earth. You're going to have to work for your food still, but now you're going to get sweaty because the earth is cursed. There's going to be cha- uh, pain in childbirth for the ladies. And there's all these conditions now that come in. And now, as we advance through these covenants, something to th- that we'll think about is these covenants don't go away. We still have these things. We still it's still sweaty to work the earth. We still have pain of childbearing. Uh, all the things that he, all the conditions of the covenants that he told these guys just keep stacking up because we'll see them all in the millennium. But we'll get to that in a second. So, all right, Adam, you and Eve, you're in sin now. You've lost the kingdom of God. You're the, you're my man for the kingdom of heaven. We're going to bring this in. This is my plan. So I want you to have babies and multiply and scatter the earth. All that. Well, they blew it. Because Genesis 6, they started getting, the sons of Adam, they started getting into all these deviant sexual sins. Uh, Genesis 6, in particular. And and things go downhill fast. And so God says, okay, uh, you guys have blown it. So I need a new guy. Uh, Noah. So then we come into the Noahic, Noahic covenant. It says, all right, Noah, you're my man now. You're going to help me bring this in. You're going to build a boat. It's going to save you and your family. And when he gets off the boat, he tells Noah the same things that he told these guys. I want you to scatter. I want you to multiply. Keep doing the sacrifices that he told Adam to do, or had Adam do. You're still going to get sweaty working the ground. You're still going to have pain in childbirth. Uh, animals are still afraid of you. I mean, it's all the stuff that that was issued with these covenants now fall on Noah. So Noah is to do. He, Noah is saved by doing what God said and faith in God, just like us. But by doing what God said, he was to build a boat, multiply, and replenish the earth. You know, we're not told to do that. Uh, you know, we have faith in the Lord. So that's how Noah got saved. He's the kingdom of heaven guy. Now, are you guys kind of following me? All right, good. Nodding heads is good. I'm busting this down here. Um, well, Noah, his, his sons, they blew it. Remember the story, Genesis 9? They didn't multiply the earth. They all congregated with a guy named Nimrod and built the Tower of Babel. They were all the one language. They didn't scatter. They made a mess of things. He's a murderer. You know, Nimrod brings in Baal worship and all this kind of stuff. 
So Noah's boys blow it. Um, so God gives them new, scatters. He, he gives them new languages to force them to start scattering. That's Genesis chapter ten. You get all the nations. So he needs a new guy to help bring in this kingdom. So now he chooses Abraham. And he makes the Abrahamic covenant with Abraham. Or the covenant with Abraham. So now he's the kingdom of heaven guy. I'm going to bring the kingdom in through you, Abraham, and through your seed, which ends up being the Jews. I need you to continue doing your sacrifices. Continue working the ground, getting sweaty. Women are still going to have problems, childbirth. I mean, all these things are still in effect. Nothing's changed. I want you to uh, take possession of the promised land, go in there, scatter, multiply, replenish this land that I'm giving you. Alright. Sounds easy. But he blows it. Just like we blow it. Abraham's guys, there's a famine in Israel toward the end of Genesis. There's a famine in the promised land. Now they all go down to Egypt looking for food and they become slaves. So now God's man is a slave down in Egypt. So he needs a new guy to help bring this through. Uh, does anyone know who that might be? Who said Moses? Alright, i got to get rid of a candy bar. Moses is our new guy. Good job. Actually, two. Anisha, you need a candy bar. Watch out for that. Alright. Yeah, so you, no, no, paper later, no. All right. All right, Moses is our next guy. I'm gonna put mosaic. All right, so now Moses, God's gonna fine tune. He's kind of fine tuning things as he goes. All right, Moses, you're gonna bring in this kingdom of heaven through you. I'm going to give you, Moses, a set of uh, laws, how to run a government my way, you know, all the civil laws he gave Moses, all that stuff in Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Numbers. Uh, Formalize the sacrifices, build me a temple, a tabernacle. There's going to be one up here, so we might as well get started on it. gives Moses all the set of laws. Alright? So now Moses is the steward of the kingdom of heaven. Moses and his descendants. So now now what happens is this, this crown of the kingdom of heaven is passed from Moses and on down Joshua. And God always has his man in control of the earth of Israel through the Mosaic period. We've got the 20 kings of Judah all the way through uh, that are stewards of this kingdom that God is like marching through history building up this nation of Israel so he can finally have this kingdom of heaven with his people. Alright. Jeremiah, where we're at in Jeremiah is a is a very key place. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put him here. Alright. There where we're at in Jeremiah, you know, we've talked Steve's talked about Zedekiah and these last kings that were that were in. Um there's been twenty of these kings of Judah. Most of them have been failures. There's been a few good ones. But God's patience is wearing thin. These guys aren't getting the job done. So Nebuchadnezzar is getting ready to come and take you know, Israel captive. So in the book of Jeremiah, we're like right here at the tail end of this thing. And he's warning them to repent and get straight. Uh, well, we know the story. They don't. So God comes down. And he takes takes them captive. They go to Babylon for seventy years. But that, that's that's one thing. But more importantly, he removes the kingdom of heaven from Israel and says, "You guys have goofed around and not done. You failed at every opportunity, just like we do. 
and you didn't repent, Nebuchadnezzar's coming in here to take you guys away, and we're done with this for now. I'm going to bring this back up to heaven with me. The kingdom of heaven left the earth. And how we see that in our Bible, we see it particularly in uh, the book of Ezekiel. Because remember, Ezekiel, same time as Jeremiah, Ezekiel was a POW in Babylon already. And God gave him all these visions. The whole book of Ezekiel is full of God telling Ezekiel, My glory is leaving the temple. Nebuchadnezzar is going to destroy it, and I'm leaving you guys for a while. So God left, he took the kingdom away, the kingdom of heaven. So, and that was with Nebuchadnezzar. We know the story. Let me say this. Immediately, with the book of Daniel, which is written also the same time, book of Daniel, Daniel is all about the Gentile nations, you know, Rome, Greece, Persia. So God says, okay, boys, kingdom of heaven's gone. I'm going to spend the, the next bit of history working with Gentile nations. And I'm going to get the Gentiles in position for an antichrist and for all the things that are going to go down to get ready to bring you guys back in someday. That's what Daniel's at. That's where he's about. So what happens when, uh, we're getting ready to hit it with Jeremiah here, what happens when uh, Nebuchadnezzar takes Israel, we start what, what the Bible calls times of the Gentiles. God is done working with Israel for now. Kingdom of heaven's gone. Time of the Gentiles. Well... The Mosaic, you know, they continue, Israel continues on, you know, they still do their sacrifices in the book of, uh, you know, Haggai and leading up to Christ. And this is where it gets, it starts getting funner. All right. Oop, new color. Along comes Jesus. I'm going to put him right here. God darn it. These colors, man. Eh, I'll use red. I don't know if it's much better, but... Alright, so along comes Jesus. Here's what's significant with when Jesus came. Jesus came, and when you read the book of Matthew, Jesus says, okay guys, I'm here, and I'm bringing both kingdoms. We can start this thing up again. Jesus says, if you will will accept me as your Savior, we're going to pick it up and we're going to finish this off and we're going to bring in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, again, that's, that's the Jewish people ruling and being restored in the millennium. All the promises that he made. Does this make sense? Jesus said, I, I represent the kingdom of God because I'm part of this. But let's start this up again. Kingdom of heaven. Well, what do they say? The Jews say, no. His blood be upon us. Uh, we have no king but Caesar. And Jesus kept saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when you read the book of Matthew, it's all about him telling the Jews, come on guys, Let's start it up again. Um, let, let's go to Matthew. Okay, so in, in the book of Matthew, this is where us, us Christians get messed up. Hey, I'm gonna, you want someone to read it? For uh, well, I'm going to have to fiddle. There's several verses. But I'm going to show you an example of what I'm talking about here. One of the times when Jesus preaches... It's in Matthew 5, it's where he starts. And we call it the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes. You know, it's very popular. You just go to Mardell's and they'll have verses and things on little wall plaques. And, and that's all good. I mean, it's all meant for us. But let's see who he's really talking to and what he's talking about. Uh, i got to flip over here. Matthew 5. So, all, right. all right, we'll pick it up. Matthew 5, 1. And seeing the multitudes, he, Jesus, went up into a mountain. Where he, and when he was said, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And he spends the next three chapters talking about the kingdom of heaven. This is what it's going to be like, and this is how you live in the kingdom of heaven. And then when you get to the end of the sermon in chapter 7, so flip over to 7, when he's told them all these things they need to do, and he says kingdom of heaven many times, we're talking about the kingdom of heaven. I'm presenting you this kingdom. Let's start it up again. You lost it with Jeremiah's time. Let's go for it. It's going to be great. The meek shall inherit the earth. All this good stuff. Uh, Then turn down verse 21. Chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, that day, second coming, Lord, Lord, we have not prophesied in thy name. We've cast out devils in your name. And in thy name we've done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Preachers will use this to say we can lose our salvation. That if we don't do all these good things that he just spent three chapters talking about, that you can lose your salvation. They don't understand the kingdom of heaven that he's trying to get them to to go forward with. He's given them basically the rules, the constitution, what what it's going to be like living in the kingdom of heaven. You're gonna you're gonna do good. It's gonna be good for the Jews. But some of the Jews. Well, anyway. Uh, but anyway, so that, that's how we get messed up by not understanding these two kingdoms. So Jesus came. I got both kingdoms in my hand. Will you guys accept me? Jews say, no, we don't want it. We, are, we don't want that. We, we, we're Caesars. So God takes the kingdom of heaven again back up. But, good for us, he leaves this kingdom of God with Jesus. And, it, and, and what happens is, it, um, it creates a, like a parenthesis here of the kingdom of God. Well, God says, okay, I'm not going to work on this physical kingdom now with Jews. With Jews. I'm going to take a little parenthesis and I want to try to build up my kingdom of God with spiritual beings, with spiritual people. And their covenant is that they just believe the Lord Jesus and, and that, that his sacrifice uh, will save them from their sins. That's all, all we have to believe. We don't have to build a boat. We don't have to do sacrifices. We're in this church age here. And that's why... It's so different for us. We don't have all of this kingdom of heaven stuff. When you read the Gospels like Luke and John and others, when they talk about the kingdom of God, that is us. We are the kingdom of God. We're not kingdom of heaven. Um, Now, when you look at this, okay, this is our Bible in a nutshell. This is the one dispensation or, or covenant that's very different from all the others, right? But unfortunately, us as new 20th century Christian believers in the church age, we look at our Bible through this lens. And when we read the Old Testament prophets talking about the restoration of Israel and we have a hard time trying to make it work. You know, and people spiritualize it and say, oh, well, the church is Israel now. Uh, the promises to Israel are now to the church. I mean, you get into all kinds of heresy. And I would even say that, um, like, Seven Day Adventists, the Jehovah Witness, the Mormons, um, especially the Catholics, but uh, they don't understand this big picture view of the Bible and they're trying to shove doctrine in to the church age that's meant for Israel. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. Does that make sense? Alright, so now here we are at the church age. We're at the tail end of it, luckily. And we're getting ready to launch into the tribulation where Israel is uh, basically punished for, for goofing this up. And at, at, 
And actually, when we, when we get raptured out, this is where it talks about in Thessalonians, when he that now letteth let. When the church gets raptured out, the, the kingdom of God goes with it. So we, the church, we spend our seven years... While there's, while there's hell on earth punishing the Jews, we're going through the um, judgment seat of Christ, the bride marries, the church marries Jesus, we have the wedding supper of the Lamb, we have, we have other things that we're doing up here. When Jesus makes his second coming, when he comes back, and we're with him on the white horses, you know, Obadiah, chapter 21, Jesus brings both back on the earth and sets up the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. He sets on the throne. He, he, he made a deal with David. You know, you're, I'm going to use your throne. We're going to set this thing up in Jerusalem. And a lot of things change on the earth when, when both kingdoms are back in full force. That's what the millennium is. It's the kingdom of heaven finally coming to be that God had spent the whole Old Testament trying to get the Jews to do, but they kept failing, just like we do on things. Does that make sense? That's what the millennium is, in a nutshell. So, on our handout, what I just, this is it's kind of interesting, so I thought I'd just quickly go through it. On the next page, or the second page, the, the, here's what I think is funny, too. Um, I don't know if you guys like Star Wars. I'm not a big Star Wars fan, but I've seen the first one when I was a kid. The very first Star Wars. Remember the the cantina scene where they go? I think they're meeting Jabba the Hutt. They go into the cantina, and there's like creatures, all these weird-looking creatures. To me, that always reminds me of the Millennium. Because the Millennium is going to be weird for us, you know, from our perspective. Um, I don't have time to get into all of it right now, but let me give you a quick rundown. In the millennium, you're going to have people, you're going to have human beings. You're going to have people like, say, uh, like New Zealand. You know, they're New Zealand. Who cares? They're, they're not going to be affected by the Antichrist. Um, they're off on an island by themselves, and they will probably end up in the millennium, they'll make it through the tribulation. They won't. They won't take the mark. They won't get their head cut off. They won't see the preaching of the witnesses. There will be Gentiles make it through, and they'll end up in the millennium. So you got human beings, Gentiles, in the millennium. Millennium. That's one. So when Jesus, when we come back with Jesus on our white horses. There's going to be the church-age saints and glorified bodies. That's us. We're a bride of Christ. There will also be the tribulation saints that were beheaded for sticking close to God and doing what God said. Tribulation saints will be killed and resurrected, and they will come back on horses. So they, they might have a different body than us. Because they're not the bride. Uh, there's going to be Old Testament saints that were actually resurrected when Jesus rose from the dead on that third day. And I don't have time to get into all. I mean, I could draw charts and stuff. But, so basically, we're going to. There's going to be a hodgepodge of beings on the earth during the millennium. It's going to be cool. So what this handout is, I kind of go through some of the. Beings and some of the aspects of the millennium. And I'm, we'll kind of skip through these. Um, so, there on the second page, point number six, the millennial reign of Christ, it's the kingdom of heaven when God finally fulfills all these promises that he made to Israel. Um, Alright, what's, what's the millennium going to be like? Uh, for, first off, King Jesus, I mean, the Lord is going to how much this to explain. When he comes back, he's going to, he's actually going to come back to the Mount Sinai and he's going to kind of hop through and he's going to land in Jerusalem. He's going to split the mountains. He's going to set up a throne. There's going to be rivers come out from his throne for the healing of the people. 
Um, one of the first things he does is in, in Revelation 20, maybe 21, it's the judgment of the sheep and goat nations. And, and this is another doctrine that people try to shove it into the church age. There will be nations like New Zealand, Canada maybe, who knows, that don't really take a side, or maybe they take a side for, for Israel, like the United States used to do. You know, we're pro-Israel, or used to be more. When Jesus comes back and sets up his throne, one of the first things he does is he assembles these nations. And I don't know how he does it, but he assembles the nations. The Bible's very clear about this. And the nations that supported his people, Israel, you know, you visited me when you were in prison, you gave me a drink when I was thirsty and all that, he will let into the millennium. But the ones that didn't, they, they go down to the burning and go down to hell. Um, so that's the judgment. That, there's, there's seven judgments in our Bible. That's one of them. The judgments of the sheep and the goat nations. So just in a nutshell, that's what that is. And people try to shove that into the church age, and it's like they're so far out of bounds. Um, rivers of water will come out from his throne. And I, you know, like Steve mentioned last week or a week or so ago, faith isn't necessary in the millennium. Because he's there, he's you know he's on TV every night. We all know Jesus just came back and slaughtered a million people, and uh, split the mountain open, and he's got a throne going on. And you know we know there's no faith involved, so faith's not necessary. Uh, he rules with a rod of iron. That's something people don't think about. He's he's not coming back as the baby Jesus on a lamb. He's coming back as a lion with a rod of iron. And that rod of iron is one of the key words. Uh, he basically opens a can on people that don't want to worship him. So much so, and I, we don't have time to go through it, but Zechariah... Um, well, yeah, this, this is cool. Let's go to Zechariah 14. This is some of the stuff that he does during the millennium for the Gentiles. Zechariah 14. this way. I was thinking I was thinking of something else. Man, I should have marked these in my Bible. It's the Old Testament, isn't it? Alright, so and this is this touches on a couple cool things. Um, Zechariah 14 verse 16 through 21. Does anyone want to read that? I gotta get a drinky. And it shall come to pass that every one that is left of all the nations which came upon against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Or am I going to 18? And it shall be that so will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, even upon them shall be no rain. Yes. No rain for you, just like Seinfeld. No soup. So here's what happens. The Gentile nations that make it through, there's a lot of things in this passage that would be... Okay. okay. The nations that make it through are commanded that every year you come to the throne and you worship Jesus, and if you don't, no rain for you. He will curse their land. And it's the Feast of Tabernacles. And Tabernacles is, you know, God with us, God among us, which is in late September. There are seven feasts, and, you know, that was given to Moses. Why Feast of Tabernacles? Okay, does anyone have any thought on that? It's very cool, the reason why. All right. Um, Feast of Tabernacles in September is when... Zach, man, what's funny? Oh, yeah, the Nazi. All right. Feast of Tabernacles. There's seven feasts. Tabernacles is one of the fall. Tabernacles is when Jesus came the first time. And it's the indication is that's when he's going to come the second time, the second coming. So I think it's cool that that's the one feast that the earth is told to celebrate to, to Jesus when he comes back a second time. You're going to all come here at the Feast of Tabernacles. So that's pretty cool. So, uh, he rules with a rod of iron. Psalms 2 is a really good one. Um, 
you know, at the beginning of the millennium, he locks up Satan and he establishes this kingdom and he rules with a rod of iron. Gentiles must worship, Jews must worship. Uh, let me just go through here. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, all right, so that was King Jesus. Now let's look at the wicked, the little part on the wicked. Yeah, Satan's bound. The indication is that there is a physical hell on earth that's created uh, for the um, the Dead Sea is the lowest point in the, in the, on the earth. I think that's interesting. That and the indication is it's called Idumea. Is that when Jesus comes back, that he like, creates a hell on earth, boiling brimstone? I mean, it's all in the in the, the verses are all here. You can look it up. Where people can walk by this hell pit and say, "That's what happens to people that don't obey." There's hell right there. Uh, there's no need for prophets. Uh, people do live and die in the millennium. Uh, there's our humans, like I said. Uh, at the end of the millennium, Satan is loosed. And no surprise, there's a lot of humans that don't like Jesus' rule of iron. And they team up with him for one final push to get rid of Jesus. Just like today, people don't like authority. So I think it's funny that even in a perfect world, people still rebel. Any questions? I can't think of any offhand. I got to. I'm on a roll. All right. So that was the wicked. Now Israel. There's all kinds of stuff about Israel. Uh, Israel is cleansed as a nation. They're saved. He makes a new covenant that Steve talked about last week in Jeremiah 31, where I'm going to make a new covenant with you. I'm going to put my my laws in your heart. Uh, he restores the tribes. Next page. Uh, he makes Israel like the Garden of Eden again. They remake a temple. The whole back half of Ezekiel is a cool book. God gives Ezekiel the vision for the new millennial temple that's going to go on up here. There's going to be sacrifices still. They actually go back to Old Testament. I haven't really pointed that out, but these covenants all stack up. And all this stuff they're told to do show up again. Say, okay, now you got a new temple. You're going to do your sacrifices, but this time it's not for the atonement of your sin. It's just praise and worship. And that's all outlined in the some of the verses I've put in here. Uh, the temple's a tad different. There, it doesn't have walls. No one's excluded. Uh, there's, there's no labor, showbread, and all the stuff I put on the handout. Those are all the verses that are on there. There is an Old Testament priesthood. Uh, you guys have heard of Melchizedek. He'll, he'll make an appearing. He'll be back. Um, all the Jewish Old Testament laws and everything go back into effect. Israel is ruling the earth now. The twelve disciples are sitting on twelve thrones. Uh, it's, 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 it's quite the time. Uh, they go back to a farming culture. They, the Bible talks about many verses how just fertile the ground becomes. It, it says in one verse that the harvesters can't keep up because it's just everywhere, food everywhere. And it'll be cool. Long life will come back, like before the flood. Uh, be a good time for, the, for Israel particularly. And that's why they're looking forward to it so much. That's why all these Old Testament prophets, you know, Joel, Amos, Micah, Obadiah, they're all like, this is going to be awesome, guys. Let's get to this kingdom of heaven because we'll be all that. Because Israel rules the world with Jesus. Alright, so now the Gentiles. Down there, the Gentile part. Some of them survive. They go in. The Gentiles serve the Jews. And that's very clear through a lot of verses. And I listed a few of them there. In Isaiah 60-30, Amos, Zephaniah, Zechariah. The Bible commands the Jews. God says, you Jews that made it through, you bring your gold, silver, incense. You help, help them build the temple. You serve Israel. Uh... You know, you will be a Jew lover, in, in short speak. I mean, we, we worship the Jews, so we need to take care of the Jews. So it's really cool that God has set them up on the, on the top. Um, they'll go back to a single language, pure language, Hebrew. Everybody will speak Hebrew. That'll be kind of cool. And that's in Zephaniah and a few verses for Zechariah. Uh, I think the last page. Yeah, I've got a few minutes. All right, so us. You know, like I said, we go out in the rapture. We come back with Jesus. There's, there's. I put the three people groups that reign. Uh, you know, through Paul's writings, 
And in some of the parables of the kingdom of God, uh, we have a pretty good idea that the the church age, us, the church believers, us, when we come back in the millennium, that we'll be part of King Jesus' administration, his government ruling. And I don't know exactly what we're going to do. We get an inheritance. And Paul many times ties the amount of inheritance and responsibility that you get in the millennium is based on your faithfulness and how much you serve him today. In the indication in Luke, in one of the parables of the talent of the pounds, he talks about us getting cities, different different numbers of cities to rule, depending on how faithful the Christian is now. So, um, you know, you got some guys that are going to be over Archie, some believer, you know, but then some other believer might be over New York or something, some bigger city. Uh, it'll be something like that. It will be part of his government ruling. The nation, the cities and nations. Uh, I don't really want to take it further than that. All right, so creation, the last little block, the the curse is lifted. Desert becomes fruitful. Uh, People's bodies are healed. Nature comes to life. Trees and rocks sing during the millennium. All the verses are there. Uh, It's really quite the time. Animals become vegetarians again. Which I know Pam had always had that question about the lion and the lamb and the snake. I mean, because if you go back to Adam back here in Eden, you know he animals were vegetarian back then, and they weren't afraid of people. So you could walk up to a, a lion and give him a big old bear hug, or, or a bear and give a bear a bear hug. It was all cool. Well, when the curse came in, that was one of the things with with sin is he told Adam animals are afraid of you now so don't go try to pet in a snake or whatever and that's been the way it is well that goes away in the millennium so we will the animals go back to vegetarians they eat straw uh, and you can have a pet bear if you wanted so yeah, it'll be really cool. That's why the, the Mormons have the little symbol, of the little boy with the bear and the lamb and all that. I mean, they just they got things so out of context. That'll happen, but not not for them. That's for sure. All right. Um, all right. So that's that's kind of what goes down during the millennium. That's why Israel is so excited to get there, and Jesus wanted to take them there. So now for us, I wrote down a few things. You know, obviously, it's it's cool to see God's hand working through these guys and through these covenants, trying to bring in this perfect kingdom. And then God's very patient with these guys, and He's patient with us because you know I'm I'm in here flailing around, not doing what I should half the time. But God's mission is still going to get done, and He's still going to do what He needs to do in spite of us. Um, and then the, the, the role, you know, we all do have a role we can play in this millennial kingdom. Um, but right now, you're building your inheritance for that kingdom, so that's one reason to to get up and do what we do, just to have, have some cities. Um, now, this takes us up through Revelation 20-ish, 20, yeah, 20. Uh, after the thousand years, you might be wondering, well, okay, then what happens? After the thousand years, God burns this up. It's gone. And he creates a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. And that's that's a whole other thing that we get into there. That's I'm time for that. That's what happens. So that, in a nutshell, is the millennium, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, covenants, dispensations, how they, how they all got saved, what we're going to do. Questions? I do have one. It's a little bitty thing that's mm-hmm. really big. Is when we can understand all this, believe all this, yeah. then we come to a passage that talks about kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven as though they're they're the same. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have to remember one yes. point that there were a few times yeah. when the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, were both present at the same time. Exactly. And they have to understand that kingdom of God, Jesus. Yeah, they were both here in Adam's time. Then yeah. they were both here when Jesus came. And then they're both here at the millennium. Yeah, and people say, oh, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, they're the same thing. Yeah. Exactly. exactly, and that's where people and get so messed up. That's the, me- the messed up. Because we're only here now, kingdom of God, heaven's nowhere near. 
So yeah, people read those verses in the Gospels. Oh, the kingdom of heaven, you know, depart from me, all that. Yeah, it's not for us. Exactly right. All righty. No questions. We'll be done a few minutes early. We got to teach the chilling. So, is anything online? Any prayer requests or anything? Or did you pray for Don? All right. That's the. All right, that's cool. All right, let's pray. We'll get out of here. All right, Lord, we do thank you for today, Lord. And just uh, it's just exciting talking about your big plan for the universe, Lord. And just pray that uh, we can take something from it. And just thank you for being a part of that plan. And as we go forward this morning, pray you'd speak to us in the main service. Uh, just pray for all the the kids and the, and everyone that's hearing the gospel this morning, Lord. Just just thank you again for all you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thanks for coming out. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. Hey, Jim. Jim, I was going to tell you, we went over this in the women's emotional study. Oh, yeah? About three weeks ago. And I'm so happy that you covered this. I'm going to be sure and send a link out to everyone. Oh, that's cool. Because I only have 23 minutes. Oh, I know. It's, I was really rushing. I just like, yeah. It, that was great. I think the little magnets kind of make it... It. it helped me. Seems, it makes and sense. Well, that's good. That's what it's all about. I'm like educational. Like visual. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like that's not the visual and the graphs or whatever. So I'm curious about it.